Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Welcome here to Seattle Sports Talk Podcast. I am your host, Mike, and in a few minutes I'll be joined by my very, very, very valuable co-host, Matt, and uh, got a lot to talk about this week on the podcast. Mostly we're talking Mariners, and that's all about it is. I mean, first of all, I mean, we've got a little bit of a sec- we're going to be having uh, segments, of course, now, but we, the big segment that we are going to be discussing, of course, is just Mariners. And the fact that we've got, you know, now a Mariners team who at the beginning of the season could win at home, but never on the but hardly ever on the road, and all of a sudden now we've got a reverse team during the all at the end of the All Star or at the end of this All Star break, excuse me. And you know, it, this has become this has become a struggle now, day in and day out for us, and especially now that we've just finished the series against the hated, and I mean the hated, New York Yankees, and, it, and, it, and it's, and it's I, I will say this, I, I've, I've been, I can take losing, I'm going to say that, I can take losing, but I can't take losing to the Yankees, I cannot take losing to those pinstriped bastards. I can't. And I think most Mariner fans will even say it, and I'm pretty sure Matt will say it once he joins it, once he, once uh, his intro, because I promised, promised Matt an intro. He's going to get an intro. Now, I was going to play him a a Shark Week theme. I was. But, you know what, I... Think I'm just gonna throw I'm gonna throw him a little bit of a <laughs> I think I'm gonna throw him a little bit of a curveball, but uh, I don't think he'll mind. Uh, so yeah, again, a uh, big segment that we do have on today's podcast is just talking, of course, about the Mariners and what they've done since coming back from the All Star break. Uh, talking about the trans the, the players that we've already acquired and the players that we've lost and. 
We just acquired Danny Espinoza today. We'll get into that big time because that's something that I really want to talk about because I'm, I'm a little confused about that signing. And we do need we do need to ins- we do need to pick on Tyler Motter today. We have to pick on him. That'll come up a little bit later because of what a bonehead he is. Um, but and then and then we'll also get into uh, like I said, talking trades, uh, talking potential p- pitchers that we could you know trade for, but. You know, we j- we don't know what we have to give. I think that's the I think that's the main problem of why we cannot get go out and get a you know a Justin Verlander or or Sonny Gray is because I don't think we have the necessary uh, pieces to trade for. And if we did have the necessary pieces, then that would mean to dismantling uh, what's left of a very uh, piss poor uh, farm system. But you know. Uh, all right, so let's go ahead and bring him in. So let's go ahead and get his intro in here. Matt, we are ready for you, man. Do you know where that what that song was? Golly, no, I don't, man. Uh, you know, uh, educate me. Um, that was from the extremely goofy movie <laughs> soundtrack. Uh, it's a different version of "Let's uh, Get Back to Where We Started From." But I mean, <laughs> again, you know, I was again before Matt came on here. You know, I was tell, t- t- saying Matt that you know I had you know either the Jaws theme, the Game of Thrones theme lined up for you, or <laughs> Uh, can't hold us by Macklemore, but I think I decided. I think I threw you a pretty decent curveball there. I appreciate it, man. I, I appreciate it. Uh, any any welcome from you is uh, is an awesome welcome. It's it's, uh, it's great to be on the show again with you. Oh, it's always ha- it's always awesome for you to be on here, man. I love I love the fact that you know we do this. We've been doing this now for what I think uh, four or five weeks now. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, and, and again, you know, we hope to keep. Keep it going. We hope to keep it going. Um, also, uh, the, just a little bit of news from today. Michael Phelps lost to the Great White Shark by two <laughs> seconds. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so so that's – but you know what? You know, getting on that off – a little off topic before we begin, you know, that's pretty damn impressive that he actually lost to a Great White – he loses to a Great White Shark in a simulated race of 100 meters – by two seconds, that's pretty damn impressive. That's incredible. You know, you know what? And, and just on that note, you know, guys like Michael Phelps because they're Olympians, they're not kind of in the uh, the sector of the everyday sports really get enough attention. That guy is one of the greatest athletes in world history, bar none. I, I just want to yeah. <laughs> throw that out there. <laughs> He's he's the goat of of the Olympics. I mean, mm-hmm. for God's sakes, he's won what twenty eight Olympic gold medals, something like that. The guy, the guy is just absolutely outstanding, and uh, you know, I, I think that's really cool. They brought that level of uh, entertainment and and really something different 
to that sport. That, that's really cool, and uh, I'm sure the ratings are through the roof, you know, and they, they had a great time doing it. That, that's uh, it's so out there and so different <laughs> than uh, anything we're used to. I, I think that's cool, and props to Michael Phelps. That's, that's incredible. Definitely. And uh, also, before we get started, man, have you watched Prehistoric Park yet? Oh, my gosh. I didn't think you were going to remember that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, you know what? I, gosh, you know what? I, I owe you a beer, Mike. I, I haven't watched that yet. Um, I've been really tied up, but uh, I am writing this down. And <laughs> it's on my to-do list this week for certain. Um I, I'm excited to watch it, actually. Uh, it actually does sound really good, and I'm not avoiding it because it doesn't sound interesting. I've actually uh, just been really tied up, and so um, yeah, no that, that's on the list right there. No uh, worries. Prehistoric hey. Park, writing it down. Yeah, no worries, man. But, hey, to, to all our listeners out there, I'm going to keep bugging him until he does remember because <laughs> I'm, I'm going rev- to give him a kind of a review test next week. Okay. If he does it. Okay. If, if, that's fair. That's yeah, fair. If he watches it, I'll give a little bit of a review test. But if he doesn't, I'm going to still get on his ass about it. But, I mean, still. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right, fair. Prehistoric Park. All right. Noted. We got this. This week. It's going down. All right. And uh, one more thing before we also begin uh, getting into the Mariners segment, you know, I guess it's a decent thing to to mention, but it's not something that I'm more really excited about due to the fact that it's – it has no importance to me at this time, but we got 10 days until preseason football begins, I believe. That's what it was. And you know what? First of all, Matt, you know, I'm, I'm a little excited. I'm a little ex- mm-hmm. I, mean, I, I mean, how can you not get excited for football? I get it. But to me, I can't get excited. And the only reason I can't get excited is because there's Mariners baseball going on. I, I cannot focus on – I can't focus on uh, Mariners baseball – and focus on football games that that don't have any uh, n- nothing nothing's on the line really. Agreed, absolutely agreed. You know what? This is a this is kind of a it's going to be a fun time of year when you kind of get both of them. But I, I'm a Mariners fan. I'm a baseball fan. I'm excited when the Mariners. You know, every time they step on the field, I'm excited and. You know, I think that you know it's it's been a rough uh, it's been a rough let's say uh, decade and a half to be a, to be a Mariners fan in terms of playoffs and uh, you know some of, some of that magic we we've seen in our past. But uh, you know, I, I think a lot of folks, uh, you know, like last night's walk off win in the tenth. You know, that's fun. That, you know, a lot of folks that kind of just focused in on. You know whoever's winning, or you know what the, the the hot team is in their city, they're really missing out. Especially in Seattle, the, the Mariners are a fun team to watch, and there's something really special being built right now. And and we're we're kind of in the infancy of it, but I really think Jerry Depoto is gonna really deliver a great team, and he's building a great team right now. It, it takes time; it's not done overnight. I wouldn't say he inherited. Um, you know, the the best hand, but, you know, he's playing the best hand he can with what he's been dealt. And he's done a pretty great job, I'd say, so far. And uh, once we get all the pieces together, I think this is going to be a really special team. And I think a lot of uh, Seattle fans that are kind of uh, maybe, you know, written off the Mariners this year, uh, they'll be back. They'll be back. 
and uh, we're gonna we're gonna have that magic back in Seattle that uh, we haven't had in a, in a long time. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you, man. And uh, also, just in this past week, um, history was made by a Seattle uh, sports team. The Seattle Sounders at halftime against DC United were down three uh, nil and came back to win four to three in just incredible fashion. And I'm so glad that and the they became the first MLS team in history to come back from a three zero deficit and win. And you know what? That's that's just something to note here on the podcast because, I mean, we had, again, Seattle teams making history. Wow. Props to Sounders, man. That's outstanding. That, that's so cool to hear. Definitely. And I don't know I don't know if you've heard, Matt, but the uh, Nike is going to be uh, announcing that they have eight teams to have throwback uniform days. And I don't know if you've heard I don't know if you've seen the tweet, but one of them is the Oklahoma City Thunder. Oh, oh. And, <laughs> and I think no. <laughs> I think you know what they're gonna be throwing back to. And you know what? I have to say this. If I don't know who had the idea to do this, but if I was the owner of Nike and someone made this decision without my approval, I would be I would automatically fire that person because as a Northwest company and here it is, granted, mm-hmm. Nike is a Northwest company. They are they are right their their uh their headquarters is in Oregon. The mm-hmm. owner is an is an Oregon University grad. He's a huge Seahawks fan. He knows He's a big Blazer fan, and he knows what the Sonics mean to Seattle. So I don't think mm-hmm. so. I will say this: Nike should be ashamed of themselves for allow for even thinking of giving a throwback to the OKC Thunder, which I say, screw you, OKC, screw you, Clay Bennett, and screw you, Nike, whoever came up with this to give the Oklahoma City Thunder the I want to say the right to wear Sonics gear for one night. And I'm going to say this, Matt. You know, as a Sonics fan, mm-hmm. you know as a, you know as a Sonics fan who's been heartbroken for years since 2008 since they left mm-hmm. of what this me- of what this really means to Sonic fans and I and I've seen the reactions from Sonic fans. I've I've reacted in my own way. But since I believe this is news to you, man, what is your reaction on this? Because in my opinion, I'm disgusted that they that no. they are that they will basically give Oklahoma City a privilege to wear Sonics gear for one night. And mm-hmm. you know what? It, I I hope Sonic I really hope that Sonic fans turn out that night, a bunch of them. And and I'm going to say this. I hope Sonic fans buy tickets to the OKC Thunder game that night. Go to that arena and say, you're not the Sonics. Wow. That is one of the dumbest things that Nike has ever 
said, done, suggested. That is just silly, man. Uh, That is not the same team. That team's in Oklahoma. That team's in Oklahoma. If they're doing a throwback, they can wear whatever unis they wore day one in Oklahoma. That's, That's not cool. That's not right. And I'm glad you mentioned that that's a Northwest company because they know better than that. You don't do that. You, you don't blackball your family. You, you, you don't – that's not right. You don't do that. And if that happens, man, I hope they lose, and I hope they continue to lose, and I'm okay if they lose every game as long as they're in Oklahoma City. That is just bogus. And, you know, I, I, there's no greater thrill – as a basketball fan from the Pacific Northwest and to see those guys lose every year. That Sonics curse is alive and well. And, you know, for anyone that's listening that isn't familiar with how the Sonics moved from Seattle to Oklahoma City, I, I ask you to watch Sonicsgate. It's on Amazon. It's a free watch if you're a Prime member. It, educate yourself know and find out how the Seattle Supersonics were stolen from Seattle and how they ended up in Oklahoma City. It's actually a great watch. If you're a basketball fan, if you enjoy the uh, ESPN 30 for 30s, you will not be disappointed. Absolutely great. And uh, just from a basketball perspective, but, you know, going back to that, Mike, that is just so lame. That's the lamest thing I've heard in a long time, to think that those guys can parade out there in Sonics gear. That is just silly, man, and I am not. I'll tell you what, social media will be blowing up if that happens, and the Seattle sports fans are going to – they'll make their opinions known. Absolutely dumb. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, uh, One more thing before we get on to the Mariners, man. I mean, uh, this past week uh, went a little uh, yard sale shopping. Picked up some very, very interesting magazines for only four bucks. Four for four dollars. Um, I found an old Kingdom Cup from, the, <laughs> from from twenty years ago, from the twentieth anniversary. And I used to have this cup, but I lost it. And then I found an old uh, RB Sonics cup, and I found a Taiwan Walker, a Taiwan Skywalker bobblehead. And all of this only cost me. 15 bucks. The magazines and the cups and the bobblehead at a yard sale. <laughs> Did you post all that online? I saw the magazines. I didn't see. Uh, I saw some of the Mariners memorabilia. That's um, really post, cool, man. <laughs> I didn't post the cups yet. Uh, I'll post the cups uh, later to, later tomorrow. But um, here's the thing. Yeah, the magazine, the, the, one ma- the one magazine that I was really, really thankful that I found was that 1994 baseball preview with Griffey on the cover, and it's folded in with Mike Piazza also holding the bat. But let's talk a little bit about that 94 series really quick before we get into Mariners because that's a little something, a little bit of history that I picked up because the Mariners could have possibly gone to the playoffs that year. They were on an eight-game winning streak when the strike uh, happened, when the season ended. Um, the uh, Griffey was on a tear. He was on pace to become the first player since Roger Maris to hit 60 home runs. Uh, he could have smashed the record, possibly, because there was at least two months left, and he needed just 20 home runs. 
which back then Griffey, which back then for Griffey would have been easy. It would have been easy for Griffey to hit 20 home 20 home runs in just two months. And let us not forget that if that season never came to a close, I think that we would have seen the Montreal Expos win the World Series. I mean, I was only four years old at the time, but I've watched video clips of the 94 Expos, and I will say this, that team was stacked. That team was one of the, the – that team was possibly the best team the Expos have ever seen in both uh, Expos and Nationals franchise history. No team in the Washington Nationals or Montreal Expos uh, can come can, can compare can comp- compare to that 1994 Expos team. That team was just incredible. Hey, Mike, how many? Do you remember how many uh, how many home runs? Griffey had that year? Was it uh, 40? High 40. Was it 40? 40. He only needed 20. Wow. I remember that. And I remember everyone in Seattle just thinking that, hey, well, he'll do it. He'll do it the next year, you know, and. And look what happened. Yeah. 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 It was uh, a little sad, a little disappointing, man. Absolutely. Uh, I'm glad you brought that up. Well, thank you, but yeah, I mean, I mean, but again, before we get on to Mariners, I mean, what was what was your take on that on that '94 Expos team? Do you, do you think, like me, I again, I watched the videos, I watched, uh, and I even watched a couple vintage games. Do you think that 1994 Expos team would have won it all if that strike never happened? You know what? There's been some talk of that, and uh, it's kind of jogging my memory a little bit, but. You know, you're you're uh, you're definitely in the majority. There's a lot of folks that that really thought that was a real special team, and they 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 had the team there that could put it together and you know really make it make a run for it. But um, <laughs> I you know be, being a Seattleite man, I, I just remember just being so disappointed and uh, you know the momentum that was growing in Seattle and you know just Griffey's uh, attempt at uh, breaking Roger Maris's record just being shot and. Um, you know, I remember going to the next year and uh, we won the division, we, you know, we won the NLDS and, uh, or the ALDS, sorry. And uh, gosh, yeah, that was, that was, that was tough. That was a rough little spot. And it kind of hit Seattle uh, a little more than maybe most teams, but uh, probably not as hard as it hit Montreal. And yeah, I'm right there with you. And, you know, based on, uh, you know, what I've seen, I think you're in the majority. A lot of people agree with you that that really was uh, that was the window for Montreal, and uh, unfortunately, uh, they suffered, the fans suffered, and uh, just didn't work out. Yeah, it did not work out for them. Um, so, Matt, we do we do have to get back on track here, man. Let's talk a little bit about this Mariners team. First of all, coming out of the All Star break, we sweep Chicago. In a three-game series, or no, four mm-hmm. games. What was it? Four games? Yeah, it was four games. And we, and first of all, it was the first time we ever won a series in Chicago in over ten years, and the first time we ever swept Chicago in Chicago since two thousand and four, which is unbelievable. Uh, go to Houston, take two out of three from the. Uh, from the American League leading team in wins, best team in the American League, 
Then all of a sudden we come home and we just and the offense just just goes to bed, just craps the bed. And that's that's yeah. that's the only thing that I can. T- I mean, Matt, this this mm-hmm. team is starting to upset me. I mean, I, I still have faith in this team, no doubt. I've got, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm never going to lose faith in this ball club, but I want to know something. I'm I'm like, why is this team? who used to be so good at home at the start of the season, what is up with this team that all of a sudden now, when they couldn't win on the road, now they can win on the road, but they come home to three straight sellout crowds, mind you. Three straight sellouts and cannot even, or four straight sellouts. Let me say that. Four straight sellouts. And cannot, they, they they cannot win anymore. They cannot win at home anymore. I don't understand it. This team used to, you know, it used to be, you know, very unbeatable when it came to uh, playing baseball at Safeco. Mm -hmm. And you know what? I was thinking in my head, you know, hey, you know what? I was thinking, you know, maybe a series split at best with the Yankees. I don't mind a series split. I would love to take three out of four from them. Um, But today... Um, I had three guys win my MVJ award. And what I mean MVJ is most valuable jackasses. <laughs> uh, I wonder who won today. <laughs> All right, I had three players win it today. I had, okay. I had Scott Service win his third, of the, third share of the award. And I'll tell you why, because one... Poor use of the bullpen again. Very poor use. That's what really, I mean, I, I, I have faith in service. I try to have faith in service, mm-hmm. but every time he, he, you know, misuses the bullpen, it just gets me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, Matt, I mean, I need your take on this. I mean, because we're going we're gonna to go over my three, the three players that won this share of the award. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, you know, when it comes to the bullpen, like you said, uh, I, I'm right there with you. I got a lot of faith in Scott's service. Um, you know, he's he's trying to do the best with what he's got. Um, you know, it's it's hard to win the Kentucky Derby with a donkey. You know, uh, you got a lot of <laughs> you got a lot of youth. You got a lot of inexperience, and you know, I, I think he's putting his guys in situations. And I'll be honest, I think a lot of times it's really the uh, – it's it's the bullpen um, that, that's really just not delivering. Last night, um, yeah, Edwin Diaz just really blowing that. And then was it the 10th? Or no, the 9th. I'm sorry, the 9th. And, you know, uh, forcing extra innings. And you know, it's you know, there's a lot of talent there. There's a lot of inexperience and a lot of youth. And it's going to take a little time to develop these guys. And you know we're gonna we're gonna see some faces change, you know, over the course of the next couple seasons. And I think we're gonna get better. It's clear Jerry Depoto has a formula in place, but I get it. I see the frustrations. It's a pain in the butt. Um, but you know, and also in fairness, though, it's uh, it's tough to win. You know, this last four game homestand, it's it's been tough. You're not gonna win a lot of lot of games with uh, with you know one run. Uh, you know, I was doing the doing the math a little bit over the last uh, four games. The the home stand from New York, you know, outscored twenty to twelve, and and I think it was uh, in 
one of those games made up five of the points, you know, it's, or five of the runs. Sorry, it's it's rough. It's rough. They're doing the best of what they got, but um, I think what kills us the most is just some of those silly decisions, some of the pitches, you know. Uh, I think it was Pazos tonight um, on a uh, – was it? He, was, he had a 0-2 strike count and uh, just threw one down the middle. And <laughs> I think that was when New York just kind of took the lead and kind of pulled away. And it's tough, but um, – I think I think we're going to see some changes. I think we're kind of experiencing the growing pains of this young team finding itself, finding its identity, and really just understanding how to play situational baseball. Uh, so cause clearly right now, to your point, the bullpen and what they're capable of is a little different than I think what Scott Service sees. But in fairness, I think he sees what they can be, and he's kind of waiting for them to show up. And as of now, it's been a little rocky. It's been a bit rocky. Yeah, definitely. Um, My second player that gets uh, the other third of the most valuable jackass uh, was a part of Service's blunder today. And first of all, I'm done with James Pazas. I'm done with him. Um, he was great at the beginning of the at the beginning of the season, but all of a sudden he cannot find the strike zone. He gets the first out, or he gets the first two outs, and he falls apart. That's another reason why Scott Service uh, earned the most valuable jackass award was because first of all, after Giovanni Gallardo gets out of the inning, I would put Emilio Pagan in. Why didn't you put him in to the beginning? Because I'm going to say this: James Pazos now has a 6.24 ERA in the month of June, or in the month of July, excuse me. And Emilio Pagan has only allowed one run in his last 17 and a third of an inning. I mean, look, if I'm the manager, if I'm Scott Service in this situation, I don't trust, I do not trust Pazos. I don't. I rarely have, I don't have that much faith in Zipchemsky, but I would put Zipchemsky in it ahead of Pazos any day, any day. But, if you wanted a guy with a long relief, again, why not put in Emilio Pagan and help out this team? Because again, you needed you needed you needed a pitcher who could go long relief. So why give up that big inning and not put in the guy who can give you the innings that you needed to save the bullpen? Or in this case, we got David Phelps from the Marlins. Why not put him in? What would what did James, what did Scott Service see in James Pazos that he had to put him in against a bunch of right-handed? Ba- he only faced one left hand. Or let me see how many batters he faced. I think he faced maybe one left-handed batter, and I think that was Brent Gardner. But you know, I mean, again, and also another thing about the other night is. Uh, first of all, I am not a fan of the one pitch of the of the one batter take him out of the ball game switch. I'm not a fan of that because I mean, if you put a guy, I get that you that these managers are playing the odds, but the odds are going to drain your bullpen. If if you have a pitcher that like, I'll give you a good example. I think uh, that Chemsky threw one pitch. I think the other night. 
and he was done. One pitch. <laughs> and, and and here's the thing, C Shack did that uh C Shack did that I think a couple games ago. He threw one pitch. The next inning he wasn't even in there. And I'm like, service. Your guy just threw one pitch. Why take him out of the ball game? It makes absolutely zero sense. And Matt, I mean your thoughts on again, the number two jackass of the day in James Pazos and Scott Service's a very very big mistake of putting him in. I am um, yeah you know props to uh, Emilio uh, Pagan you know that guy's really stepped up and he's uh, one of those guys that's really gotten a lot better over the course of the season. Um, yeah, Pazos didn't deliver today. Um, that was a little rocky. Um, it's it's a little different, especially being a Mariners fan watching this situational baseball. And um, I, I know it's a lot of um, you know it's percentage baseball. To a lot of folks, um, I think I, you know. Really, until you have those guys established in that continuity, um, high, you know, high performers in there, it's. I think you're going to continue to see it, and it's tough. It's different, but um, you know, I, I will say that they do. Uh, they do have a plan. And they're consistent with it, and I like that they're going in there, and you know they they know what they're doing. They're playing the percentages, but it is a little tough to watch at times, especially when it doesn't work. And you know, as of late, we're not seeing it work as much. And I, you know, I'm just kind of going back to um, you know the bullpen and what we're seeing is just just really not a lot of thoroughbreds in there. And so you know, what can you do other than play the odds, play the percentages, um, and that's what they're doing. But there's there's times where I just feel like you, you play the hot hand. You, you play the guy that's delivering, regardless of the potential statistics and odds, you play the hot hand and see where that gets you. And to be honest, I think that uh, in doing so, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, we were exactly where we are or even a little better because this this uh situational baseball hasn't really it hasn't really performed to the level that we we're kinda of hoping it has. But then again, like I said, we, we, we don't really have the thoroughbreds to to kinda of do it like I think they're hoping it will, but yeah, hey, that's it. What was it? M V J. All right, who's number three? Uh, take a good guess. Oh, geez. I wonder, was he a base runner tonight? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, would it be... <laughs> You're burning up. Yep, Taylor Motter. Taylor <laughs> gets my last third of the most valuable jackass award. First of all, we knew that he was going to steal. I think that the Yankees were going to give him the initial base. But, again, Motter... Modern looked like he just did not give a damn. He really did not look like he gave a damn out there. And first of all, when you're facing a lefty and you get that flat-footed, he cost us a run. It would have been 6-5 since Seager hit a double, and he would have easily scored all the way from first. And, you know, it possibly would have ended 6-5. We don't know. I mean, maybe that, maybe if we score that run, it builds a little momentum. I mean... I'm going to go ahead and say this. First of all, I don't trust Hanniger anymore. I don't. I have. I have zero faith in Hanniger. 
And we're going to talk about a possible a possible idea that I have with Mitch Haniger right after this. But you know, again, man, I mean, modern his 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 days in a Mariners uniform is done because he's going to be he's going to be going down to Tacoma to make room for Danny Espinosa, who we just signed. And again, I, I I don't think I really quite understand this signing by the Mariners to sign Danny Espinosa, who's hitting what 182 with six home runs, and the guy is also a lifetime 221 batting average. Mm-hmm. And I I had I I just I I don't get it. I didn't get this mm-hmm. signing whatsoever. But I mean, let, we'll talk about the signing right after you talk about uh, the last. Uh, comp- I'm going to say this: the the biggest bonehead in today's game. I'm, I mean, I, I that just I've never seen a more easier pick pick off in my life. Never. That um, that I I tell you what, I stepped away for a second and I looked back at my social media and it was blowing up. And I'll tell you. Um, I mean, there was a lot of a uh, lot, lot of pretty upset Mariner fans, and rightfully so. Um, it's 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 tough. It's tough, like you were saying earlier. It's you know, it's one thing to lose. It's it's another thing to lose because you beat yourself and you just you you made too many mistakes. You know, you weren't just outplayed. You just made you know careless mistakes, and that's really tough. And uh, I know we'll get into the Espinoza signing, but uh, it's it's rough. It's, you know, I, I don't want to be that guy that says typical Mariners, uh, but that was, it was just a bonehead move, and uh, it, it might be the cherry on top for um, you know Taylor Motter's time in Seattle for the time being, anyway, but. Yeah, it's just rough. It's rough to lose like that, and it's the worst thing to do is to lose a race because you tripped over your own feet, uh, especially when you, you had a chance to win it. So it's rough. I put it in the back of my head, and I'm just saying on to Boston, and you know, hopefully a little shake up in the roster couple little tweaks here and there can uh, can be that change that we need to kind of propel us to getting serious about this wild card run. Definitely. And, you know, speaking of tripping over his own feet, we're going to talk a little bit about this player uh, later in the, in the discussion of uh, we're going to talk a little bit of trades, but Daniel Vogelbach earlier this year tripped over his own feet trying to get a foul ball. And, I don't know if you saw it, but I've never seen a more embarrassing first ba- excuse for a first baseman. And you know what? I'll say this. You know, um, he also is one of the more – I mean, I've never seen a player of his uh, – of that much girth. I mean, Dejo Lee looked like he was expecting soon. <laughs> big boy. He's a big boy. He's a big boy. Well, I mean, I mean, if you look at – if you look at De- – compared to Dejo Lee to compared to uh, – Daniel Vogelbach. Daniel Vogelbach's skinny compared to Day Holy. Day Holy looked like he was just he was nine months pregnant and expecting. <laughs> but you know, again, we'll get into Daniel Vogelbach a little later. But now, um, 
we do need to – here's something that I wanted to discuss about Mitch Haniger before we get into Danny Espinoza because we do need to talk a little bit about him. But um, I think what the Mariners could use – you said a roster – shake the roster up a bit. First of all, we need to look at this. Mitch Haniger is not the player he was at the start of this season. He has not been the same player since he's come back from the injury. And let me go ahead and pull up his stats because I I, I think it's just going to baffle people. But I think the Mariners need to address the situation of Mitch Haniger in this, and that he should be demoted to Tacoma, possibly get some time to get some more practice in, some more uh, ABs down there, a little bit more uh, – Basically, basically, just you know, just to get some, just to you know, get that feel back because it doesn't look like he has that feel back. Um, but since coming back from the injury, he has batted two thirty one in June and two oh eight here in July. Mm-hmm. He is eleven. 11 for 53 in July. He was 15 for 65 in June. Mm-hmm. And, again, I'm going to say this. Or I'll, I'll say this. If if you would like, if you'd ask me, who would you bring up? Who would you bring up to replace Mitch Hanniger? We can't say Tyler O'Neill because that ship has already sailed. <laughs> it's, it's, going all, <laughs> it's going to St. Louis. But if you ask me who else would I bring up, I would say this. Add Leonis Martin back to the 40-man roster, bring him up. I know that Leonis Martin strikes out a lot, but I think Leonis has deserved that call-up. And but Leonis, but but Mitch Haniger, I mean, something's got to be done because we cannot keep throwing Mitch. If it comes down to this, I would I will say this: since Dyson is out for day to day with the injury. You know, you bring, again, you bring Leonis Martina, put him in center field, and put Guillermo Heredia in left field because, of course, we all know that how good of a center fielder Leonis Martin is. But get Guillermo Heredia more at-bats. I say that Gamble needs to be in right field because Hanninger is just not panning out at the moment. I know, he's got, I know, I know what he's got. I know what he's capable of. I, believe me. But with the way that he has been struggling, I think the Mariners should address that they should demote Hanniger for possibly next month. I because I mean, look, if you, I want a guy who's going to come into the lineup and who's going to help us win the ball game, not a guy who's going to basically crap out almost every time because. Hanniger used to be a clutch hitter. He used to come up in such clutch situations in April. He used to give us such, you know, good home runs from time to time. Same, same with Taylor Motter. But Motter, I think, was just a fluke. Mitch Hanniger, I know what he can do. And what we saw in April is what we can expect from Mitch Hanniger. But he just has not been the same since that first injury. And I think a demotion would suit him best. I think we brought him up way too fast. I mean, Matt, what's your what's your thought on that? You know, yeah, there's you got some good points in there, and 
You know, he really, I mean, in all transparency, any Mariner fan knows that if you're watching the Seattle Mariners, we saw what Mitch Haniger is capable of, and I really think that's just the tip of the iceberg for the guy. But ever since he came back from his injury, he hasn't been, he hasn't quite been the same player. And I don't know if that injury is really lingering around or, you know, what the story is behind it, but there's got to be a plan in place to kind of help him to kind of get back to that level that he started off. I mean, he was batting, what, close to 300, wasn't he, when he started off the year? I I would say he was our best player. I mean, he was playing at least at at such a high level. Uh, I remember there was, you know, Chance, a rookie of the year, um, you know, at the start of the season. He was playing so good, and he just hasn't been playing at that as – you know, at high, uh, that high of a level since then. And it's been a little tough to watch, but I, I'm, a, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of what they're doing. I love what they're doing with the outfield. I, I'm just like you. I want to see some more Guillermo Heredia. I think he's one of the guys I want to see more of. I want to see him get some more reps out there in the field and at the plate. Um, and I don't think that's a bad idea. Uh, you know, judging – you know, you kind of look at that 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 moving scale, and are we getting more out of Mitch right now than we could be getting out of Leonis Martin? Um, I don't know, but I think that might be something worth exploring. And I know that uh, I know that's in the back of the head of uh, Jerry Depoto and Scott Service. There, I think I think if we continue to see Mitch kind of play at this. Uh, at this level that he's kind of playing at right now, it might not be a bad idea to kind of send him back down to Tacoma for a little bit, get some more reps, get in the rhythm, get a little more confident, get healed up. I don't know if those injuries are lingering or, or what the story is, but he's just got to get back in that rhythm. And I think bringing Leonis Martin back up is not a bad idea at all. And seeing a little bit more out of Guillermo Heredia, Who's also another really young guy that could, really, who's really just scratching the surface as well. Um, I, I think that's a great idea. I, I think you're on point with that, and I think just <laughs> you got you got three spots out there. You know, who who do you want to plug and play? And I, I don't think you're going to see as big of a drop off if there is any. So I don't think it's a huge risk. I think you have some great ideas. I don't think it's a huge risk, and I think that's definitely something worth exploring. And I think a lot of us would be open to seeing that. And I'd like to see what Leonis Martin could do. It sounds like he's doing uh, pretty well down in Tacoma right now. Yeah, definitely. Um, before we get into our first break, we're going to have two breaks because we're going to break down two more segments. But let's talk a little bit about this Danny Espinoza signing. Uh, me, personally, I'm a little confused. Again, I'm very confused about the Danny Espinoza signing because – um, first of all, I'm not a fan of any player coming over from the Angels due to the fact that we have always gotten the short straw with the Angels players. And do I, mu- and I must, and unfortunately I have to bring it up. First of all, let's not forget Scott Spezio, who was a, just a disaster. Um, then we got... Uh, Sean Figgins, who was an absolute nuclear waste, and now, and now we're getting a guy who, in his eight years 
in the majors has struck out nearly a thousand times and has failed to put a batting average higher than 240. And the best year of his career was uh, last year in Washington where he hit 209. He hit 209, hit 24 home runs, and bat and drove in 72 RBIs. Now, if you ask me, that's that's Richie Sexton type of numbers. <laughs> um, again, he led the league in strikeouts in 2012. When he struck out 189 times, first of all, I mean, again, I'm just confused about this. I mean, this is a 30-year-old guy who is batting 162 this year. I'm, and every time I see us pick up these has-beens, these 30-year-old has-beens, I just, I just start to shake my head and just start to scratch my, or start to scratch my head, and like, and say, what are you doing, Depoto? But I do trust him. I do trust what mm-hmm. he's doing. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Hey, Mike. All right. So, Mike, all right here. All right. Real quick, you, you got two seconds to make a decision. Who are you taking? Taylor Mott or Danny Espinosa? Danny Espinosa. Okay. Yeah. I think. I think a lot of us are probably on the same page. And <laughs> and I think sometimes that you know maybe if you're getting Say you're getting the, the same type of player statistically, right? Maybe this is just that little shakeup we need. You know, um, I, I've seen Danny Espinosa play a uh, long-time national, and uh, he's a pretty darn good defensive player too. And there's probably some intangible, some things he brings. Um, you know, maybe, maybe statistically there's some things we're not seeing that, that show up that uh, Jared Apoto sees. Um, so – I, I I like it. It's it's not huge. It's not going to break the bank. It's not going to change the game. But uh, it could bring a, just a little different dimension. You know, a new face in the locker room, a new guy. Um, you know, he he's still he's still you know he's thirty years old. Uh, there, there's still time to kind of uh, you know put together a a, a long career. And uh, I actually got a funny story. I was at a Diamondbacks game uh, a few years ago and. I think it was actually three years ago uh, when the Nationals were out here in Arizona, and I sat behind all these uh, National fans. I was on the uh, the first base side, and and uh, I, yeah, I hear them talking, and and then when Danny Espinosa goes to the plate, they just light up and go crazy. I was sitting behind his family. It was uh, it was actually a really cool thing to see. Great people. Um, and so I, I kind of became a little bit of a fan of his. Uh, the, the guy plays hard. I will say that. The guy plays hard. Um, and, so, and maybe there's some things they can kind of switch up. But, you know, I, I'm thinking the same thing, that uh, maybe this is just a, just a little small shakeup we need, bring in a little bit more of a veteran, uh, more of a defensive presence, someone that you can kind of plug and play and get a little bit more out of. It's, it's not going to completely change the complexity of your team, but it might be just a little something. And so it, if that's it, but, you know, if it also if it also just completely busts, I don't think it's going to really hurt us too bad either. So why not take a shot? We'll see. I think there's a plan in place. You know, maybe it's just that veteran presence to kind of help develop some of the younger guys. Because as you know, 
we got quite a few young guys on the team. Uh, Dakota's really uh, helping this team get a lot younger. And uh, when you do that, you got to bring in some veterans to kind of help guide and mentor these guys. And, and maybe that's who Danny Espinosa is. And, and maybe this can be that change that, uh, that he needs to kind of turn it around. Last couple of years um, haven't been outstanding. But like you said, in 2015, he hit 240. Uh, what, uh, what is that? I'm looking at his stats right now. Uh, 13 homers next year, 24 homers. So there, there's, a, there's, some, there's some talent there. And so I, I'm hoping he can turn around and, and maybe be uh, one of those change agents we need to kind of get a little bit more meta, momentum and have a little bit more fun in the clubhouse because today, today was rough. Today was rough, but yesterday was so awesome. And it felt so good to beat the Yankees. God, that felt good. Didn't that feel good, Mike? That did, and I and I will say this: I bet Angie Mentag is still not wet or still not. <laughs> that was one of the best. The uh, that was that was one of the funniest things I've seen in a long time. And that still shot of her pretty much taking the entire Gatorade bath was was awesome. I I, I say that picture that was funny. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I yeah. No, go ahead, Mike. Sorry. I will say this: you know. Uh, Every single, every other team, they do the interviews outside of the dugouts, and the interviewers get, get part of the Gatorade baths from time to time. This was the first time any of our interviewers got a Gatorade bath, and it couldn't have happened to a better one than Angie Mentig. But they need to, they definitely need to start doing the interviews outside the dugout, so that way the players can sneak up and actually give. Uh, Angie or or Jen Mueller a Gatorade bath along with the players because I mean I mean that's the part of the be- that's one of the best things I look forward to uh, when I actually don't watch Mariner games I watch other games with walk offs is the interviewers getting this getting the Gatorade bath along with the players. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. That was great, man. I, I love seeing those guys having fun out there. That culture, that team, that's a fun team. They're fun, but it's not fun when you're losing and when they can. Uh, when they start stringing those wins together, you can just see that culture shifting and that team kind of becoming what we know it can be. Um, rough four-game stand, but, uh, yeah, that was really fun. That was really special, and that's good stuff, and I want to see a lot more of that moving forward. Definitely. And you know what, Matt? I will say this, man. You said you wanted to li- – He Matt said he wanted to limit the show to an hour. We cannot talk all of this sports and not, ha- and not talk in an hour. It's, it's just impossible. But um, <laughs> before we go into the break, I will say this. Guillermo, the still photo of Guillermo Heredia and Nelson Cruz just, Guillermo just wrapped around Nelson Cruz. I will say this. Nelson Cruz, Nelson Cruz hugs have to be fun. And I, and if I ever get the chance at a Mariners game, if I'm talking to him, I have to, I have to ask Nelly to give me a hug. I got to get one. I got to get me a Nelly hug. <laughs> I, I, and I know you know this. I know you know this, but for a lot of our listeners that have never really been up close to Nelson Cruz, that is a big dude. That dude is that is a big dude. I, I was uh, I was down in Anaheim and I was hanging out on the uh, by the mayor's dugout and God, he was that was the first time I'd seen him up close. That is a big dude, and it doesn't surprise me that you know he. 
And there's no, there's no surprise that his nickname is Boomstick because that dude is – that dude can hit the ball. He is a big boy. <laughs> anyway, just made me think of that. Definitely. All right, we're going to go here into the break. Uh, we're going to get back to our first-to-last segment, uh, which will be talking uh, more trades, uh, talking about the players that we just got, and uh, reviewing uh, the last trade that we did have and seeing if we can possibly get other guys to go along uh, with the starting pitcher that we already have. So, again, we shall take a quick, short break and be right back. back here to Seattle Sports Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Mike, and I'm joined by my very faithful co-host, Matt. And, Matt, I think every single one of, every single Mariners fan or diehard Mariners fan definitely took a shot of tequila right after this game, or at least drank at least uh, <laughs> at least drank a fifth bottle of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'll just say I, I, uh, I had a nice cold beverage to kind of uh, wash away my sorrows. So. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm there. Have to, have have at least ten of have at least ten of those cold beverages after a loss like this. <laughs> <laughs> the rough that was a that was a rough home stand. It was a rough home stand, but uh, you know we got Jimmy Pax on the mound tomorrow against Boston, and hey, I, I think this is where we turn it around. It's you know I, I don't want to be that guy, um, but yeah, she, uh, you know. I do, I do. You know, maybe, maybe it's okay. It's okay to be that optimist. It's tough. You, you kind of, uh, it's ingrained in your DNA 
as a uh, Mariner fan to be the uh, the yeah. optimist. <laughs> uh, two and a half games out, out, out of the wild card. You know, that's that's it. That's it. Two and a half games outside of the wild card. I mean, that that's why I was so disappointed, not just because it was the Yankees, not just because it was at home, but, uh, you know, the, the Yankees are, are leading the wild card in the AL, and this would have been a this just was such a great opportunity to make up ground and, and really get out there and dropping three out of the four really was just uh, – you're really just shooting yourself in the foot. you got to – you got to get more out of those series, and uh, you know, just blown opportunities, missing bats. That's that's kind of been that's kind of been the struggle. But um, you know, there's still a lot of time left. There's what 62 games left. Yep. Hey, you know, hey, you just got to get on a couple streaks. You got to win. You know, a couple sweeps. You got to start splitting those series against those tough teams when you can't find your rhythm. Um, but uh, yeah, we're, let's just hope some of these changes we're making will uh, to lead to that. I mean, man, it's it's a it's a playoff. This is a playoff team. We got what it takes. We just got to put it together out there. There's no doubt in my mind. Oh, definitely. And I was going to stop you, but you know, you hit the nail on the head right there. And usually you're saying that to me, but <laughs> I, I'm I'm one of those I'm one of those optimistic fans that think we, we can win it all every year. I mean, yes, I look at it realistically as well, but I'm always I'm always saying that, you know, this is our year, and, you know, I posted a tweet. I think I told you about this. I posted a tweet uh, last year in November, or was it October? No, it was in November, the second day of November, and I posted uh, a picture of the Mariners' 40th anniversary patches. And what the tweet says is it's been 40 years. That's when it ends for the Mariners. Next year is our year. And you know what? I still have faith. Mm Mm-hmm. Not gonna lie, I still have faith that this team um, can get to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I mean, th- mm-hmm. you, you look at this team, and this team is built for a World Series run. I guarantee, you, if the Mariners, if the Mariners get hot, and they stay hot, I mean, just mm-hmm. especially if it comes to down into October, if they get hot and stay hot in October, they can win it all. I don't mm-hmm. care what you say; they could even. They might even be able to – they could possibly even take on the Dodgers, who, first of all, the Dodgers are playing at a level that I've never seen a team play at except for the 2001 Mariners. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, first of all, what, what, what they've won, I think they've won 32 out of their last uh, 37 games. Jeez, that's incredible. That is, it is, and – you know, again, it, it all comes down. It all comes down to if the Mariners can, if the Mariners' offense can be consistent mm-hmm. and catch fire at the right time. And I really do hope <clears throat> Mariners can do that because, you know, we really we, we we're hoping for that. We we just we're really hoping for it. And I know that this team can do it. I really do. Mm-hmm. And I was going to bring this up to Matt, but you know what, Matt? I think we should do maybe not next week, but. The following week after that, a, uh, a a very special podcast where we are at, where it's uh, we're kind of a few beers in. We definitely need to have a podcast. <laughs> I thought that's what we always did. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I'm sober today. I I had two wisdom teeth pulled just as. Oh past- yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, I, I'm down, man. I'm always down for uh, a good uh, craft brew. 
nice IPA. I've been really digging the uh, Ballast Point Brews down in uh, based out of San Diego. Uh, yeah, hey, let's do it. Well, I'll cheers to that, and hopefully we'll have something good to cheers to with our Seattle Mariners. All right, definitely. Um, I think we're going to have to wait until a little bit into August because I, um, I know a very special little place down by Pike Place Market. Um, I cannot remember what it's called, but they have, I think, over 800 different types of beers. And wow. have beers, they have beers from all 50 states. And I have to visit that place because, first of all, if you do come to Seattle – it's a beautiful it's it's a be- or come to Washington just as a as a tourist it's beautiful. Washington is one of the more beautiful states in the country. And yes, we do get a lot of rain. But guess what that rain helps? It helps make this this state beautiful, trust me. And you know, Seattle is a great place to visit. Uh Pike Place Market is fantastic. I've been down there so many times uh just in the past couple of years. And there's a lot of very interesting conventions that are held in Seattle. I know we're getting a little off topic, but, you know, again, I definitely have to go visit that shop by Pike Place and get a couple uh, different brews from uh, different states and everything and try some different brews because that'd be that'd be very interesting. That's cool. I, that's, I'm right there with you, Mike. That's one of my favorite places in Seattle and is the Pike Place market, just that whole area and, you know, going down behind the Pike Place to Elliott Bay, and that, that's just one of, it's one of the most beautiful places on earth, at least that I've ever been, just absolutely gorgeous. I, it's a lot of times, I, uh, especially in the summers down here in Arizona, where I really miss that. But, um, you, know, you know, circling back to what you were saying about uh, getting hot in October, and, um, you, you know, really, it's, it's all about punching a ticket to the dance. If we can make a play, make it into the playoffs, it's zero zero. Everyone's even, and you know, not to bring up painful memories, but I know there's some really hot teams right now, like Houston and the Los Angeles Dodgers. And but I'll tell you what, you know, 2001, the hottest team in baseball lost in the in the, uh, the ALDS to the uh, the Yankees. And you know what that means is. Any, it's anyone's game. Anything can happen in the playoffs. And if we can just punch that ticket, why not us? You know, that was the mantra in Seattle with the Seahawks. And, and we got to start We got to start believing that and having that as a team in Seattle. Why not us? You know, we got some tried and true veterans. We got some young guys with exceptional talent. And, and I, I really believe in what, what our uh, management's doing. And, yeah, why not us? Absolutely. Yeah, let's do, hey, Let's punch a ticket to the dance, and then let's just go out there and throw bows until we win. You know, and what else can you do? You know, just go out swinging. Exactly. And by the way, it was actually the championship series the Mariners lost in. And oh, it was, oh, was the uh, it was the ALS. Huh? Yeah, ALS, yeah. First of yeah. all, I want to bring up that ALDS. First of all, the Mariners in 2001, the the playoffs for them was pathetic. First of all, when you when you have to go five games against a wild card team. And you win 116 games. That's just sad. I think that really is sad because the Mariners. And here's the thing: the Mariners only lost three games once that entire year, and they came close to losing uh, three. Uh, they came close to losing three straight games uh, in the American League Division Series too. But again, you know, this it was just a, a very piss poor uh, uh, playoffs for the Mariners. But 
getting back to what we were talking about uh, earlier, uh, the Mariners just a couple days ago traded uh, the second prospect in their organization, Tyler O'Neill, to the St. Louis Cardinals for Marco Gonzalez, who was coming off Tommy John surgery. And first of all, I was scratching my head on this. I did not see this coming. But And the reason why I say this is, first of all, we traded our second highest prospect for just one guy. I was shocked we didn't get another guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and uh you know, you know, getting David Phelps that that really helps us. I like that trade. But people have a problem with it because we traded uh Brian Hernandez. And you know what I I'm saying this, you know, when when we when we give away guys who are in the single A, especially in Everett, um, unless it's unless it was unless we're trading away Kyle Lewis, I have no problem with it. But you know, Jerry Depoto knew knows who is the big players and who is our future. First of all, Kyle Lewis is our future. Braden Bishop is our future. Eric Fila is our future. Nick Niedert is our future. We got a lot of guys in the organization who he knows have a future. In this organization, have a future in Seattle, and he knows which guys are expendable. And let's not forget this: we have a we have a huge depth in the outfield. We have tremendous depth in the outfield. So if one guy goes, it's not a big loss. But and also, people, you got to remember this: we wouldn't we weren't going to see Brian Hernandez for you know another two or three years. The kid just started out in in. He played one game in AAA and he's now start and he started in Everett and we weren't going to see the kid until 2019 2020. I mean, I mean, I, I wish him good luck. I wish him good luck nonetheless. And I will say this: Tyler O'Neill is going to be an All Star. He will be an All Star with the St. Louis Cardinals and he will be in a home run derby one of these days. But again, you know. Yeah, no, I want your thoughts on the on the trade that we made for Tyler O'Neill and the fact that we also lost Brian Hernandez because people are upset about it. I mean, me personally, I'm just I just want to scratch my head because I really wish we could have gotten, you know, more than just one guy for Tyler O'Neill. Yeah, you know what? Um Yeah, there's you know, we got a lot of depth. We got a lot of depth in our outfield. You know, I think I think a lot of people. There was a lot of a lot of Tyler O'Neill fans, but uh, yeah, I, I think the Gonzalez signing uh, goes to show that uh, you know he's he's a young guy. You know, we need that depth on the mound. Uh, you know, and you know one of the things a lot of people you know, haven't really talked about too much. You know, he's a local guy, he went to Gonzaga, and yeah, I know Jerry Depoto's doing his homework, and so. He's also a former first-round pick, so there's uh, there's something there, and they know it. And you know, guys have been able to successfully come back from Tommy John, and so I, I think that they just kind of weighed, you know, what they had, and they said, "Hey, look, we got the depth, we got the guys out there, um, we got to start getting to work and getting some guys on the mound." And they made a decision, and. You know, I, I know we all hope it's the right decision. Time will tell. But um, I, I'm glad they're being aggressive. And, uh, you know, if they're willing to give up Tyler O'Neill, I, I think that shows the confidence in, in 
and Gonzalez and what they're getting. So let's uh, let's let's hope for the best. And uh, it, it makes me happy to, to bring in some more pitches because, yeah, as we all know, that's been our Achilles heel. That that's just where we've been hurting the most, whether it's youth and experience or injuries. That that's 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 what we need the most right now in Seattle for sure. Definitely. And, uh, again, we also uh, – and here's the thing. First of all, I want to say this. Uh, Felix Hernandez is going to be pitching against the Red Sox, and I really hope we see some more vintage Felix like we did the other night. But with this one exception, give the man some run support. Oh, gosh. No kidding, brother. Yeah. But uh, getting back to the trades, um, another thing, you know – the Bears are still looking for starting pitching. I really think that Mar- Marco Gonzalez is going to be brought up after his first start in AAA, which was, I think, today. I think it was today. Let me go ahead and look this up. But yeah, and keep keep in mind, you know, he's he's only 25 years old, and like I said, former first round pick, local guy. I, uh, you know, there's there's a lot the guy brings to the table, and I think. I, I think this this could be a really good move, you know. Knock on wood. I'm just I, I'm I'm choosing to see the glasses half full on this, and hey, I, I'm really hoping it pans out for us. Definitely. And uh, Gonzalez is actually going to be making his uh, Rangers debut tomorrow, so we could see him by the end of the week in Seattle. I really hope we do because I mean. Wow. I mean, I've heard, I've heard good things about him. I've heard great things about him. I, I really hope that we see him because, first of all, Giovanni Gallardo, he needs to go back to the bullpen. Um, and then, or if DePoto would like to just bring him in as a bullpen guy, then you take Pazos out of the bullpen and you bring up Gonzalez because, I mean, I think Pazos is pretty uh, expendable right now. But, um, again, it, it's something's got to be done. Um, I hope I hope we do uh, see Gonzalez by you know either the beginning of August, which I'm actually a little excited for August because since we do so well on the road, we're going we're basically going to be on the road for the entire month of August. And again, we're, we, so far we're, we've we've shown that we can now win on the road all of a sudden. And by the way, uh, Kyle Lewis uh, went uh, homered again today for the se- uh, he actually uh, homered in his second straight game and his uh, he had his first multi uh, home run game. So good sign for uh, for Ky- for Kyle Lewis. He's in the uh, Class A. He's in the uh, advanced uh, Class A affiliate for the Mariners at the Modesto Nuts. So the next stop is going to be Double A Arkansas, hopefully. And I, I, you know, people. I think we could possibly see uh, Kyle Lewis sometime uh, within maybe 2019 if he stays healthy and he and he continues with his progression. But getting back onto these trades, uh, Matt, we need to make a trade for another starting pitcher. I don't care what you say. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, right now the, the the two guys that are that I really think the Mariners need to go after, and. These next, this next week is going to tell because the upcoming trade deadline is coming up. And two guys really stand on my eye as the two guys that I think that we should go after, which I think the Mariners could afford to give up some players. And let me go ahead and look up 
Let me get let me get all these rosters up here. Um, but uh, again, you know the Mariners, they should go. They they need to go after Sonny Gray because really, I think the Mariners could possibly get him for cheap. I mean, I I don't think I don't think it's a possibility to be truly honest, but you know it's worth a try. It really is worth a try to get uh, to get a guy who the Mariners could possibly have control over. That's the big thing, control over. Mm-hmm. And that's what we have for Gonzalez. We have control over him for, uh, I believe, 2020. So we've got this guy uh, for another three years. So mm-hmm. that's good to hear. And then, mm-hmm. and then of course, Justin Verlander. People say, oh, he, he's just like Felix Hernandez. He's too old. Um, I got news for you. He is not like Felix Hernandez because he actually still has good velocity. Mm-hmm. If, if you watch Justin Verlander, guess what? Every single start that he has, if he gets deeper into the ball game, his velocity goes up. It keeps going up, and it and it's not. And look, I know he hasn't had a very good season so far, but you know what? It's not it's not that big of a deal. I still think that Verlander could I mean to be truly honest, I mean if we were to actually trade for Verlander that would be one hell of a deal. And I'm looking at we've got what we've got in Modesto. Now, looking at we have, looking at who we have in Modesto, there are three guys that I think that the Mariners should not trade. Or or excuse me, four guys. That Spencer Herman who pitched a brilliant game the other day. Uh, Nathan Bannister, both of them are pitchers. Both of them are good starting pitchers. And the two guys that are in the outfield that have just a tremendous, and I mean tremendous future with this ball club is Eric Fila and, of course, Kyle Lewis. So So those guys are off the table. Those are guys that you will not trade. Looking at the Clinton Lumber Kings, who is the... Uh, I think the, the okay, so they're the class A, they're, they're class A affiliate. Looking at what we have there, um, the guys who look like they are untouchable really is Nick Nick Zamerly, uh, I believe that's how they pronounce his name, a third baseman. Um, but Gareth Morgan has been in this organization for years now, and I think you could possibly get him off. I think you could find a way to trade Gareth Morgan, maybe even Joe Rizzo, because. I mean, let's face it, the Mariners right now, they're good at third baseman. But Nick Zamorelli, he's going to be a good infielder for us. And when you have, when you have three third basemen on a single-A roster, you can afford, you can afford, you can afford to dump off, dump off at least one or two. And Joe Rizzo, I think, poses the most uh, higher trade value. And then finally, and then uh, finally in Arkansas, uh, the guys that I see that are that are untouchable with the trade is definitely Braden Bishop, who is a UW, who's out of the University of Washington. He's going to be terrific for us. Uh, Tyler Marlette is a catcher, and I think he has a really good future. Uh, Dylan Unsworth. People don't. And here's the thing: he started today. He, he's known as the Shark. So how's that? How ironic is that that the Shark makes a terrific seven innings uh, performance and gets the win on on uh, the first day of Shark Week? Um, also, we got Nick Niedert, 
And that is it. Brent Ash, I think, is uh, very expendable. And then finally in AAA, of course, we've got Dan Altavilla, who I think we could trade. Uh, Mark Lowe and Gene Machi, they're a part of the White Sox organization now. We traded them for cash. Um, Max Posse, maybe we could trade. Rob Whalen, I don't know if we could trade him. Um, but uh, looking at who we do have at first base, uh, Daniel Vogelbach, I think we can unload him. And I think we should unload him. And uh, again, you know, these, and also Ian Miller has been brought up from the, uh, from Modesto and, uh, or excuse me, Arkansas. And this kid can run. Ian Miller is one of the fastest guys I've seen. I've seen videos of him and he's just a talent to watch. But again, we've got so much depth in the outfield that, I mean, where would you put him first off? So again, we've got guys to, we've got guys to trade. We know the guys that are not on that are not tradable, and one guy again that I think should be traded is Daniel Vogelbach because he poses, in my opinion, he poses no value to this team. He doesn't. And Matt, and I've gotten my say in this, so it's time for your say in every single one of this before we cut to our last. <laughs> You know what? You've definitely done the research and spent the time on it, and I think that there's a lot of merit to what you're saying, and and I agree with you, and I think that now is the time to be aggressive and to really look at, hey, what are our strengths right now? we got a lot of depth in these areas, so it's time to kind of unload. We don't need to have you know eight different outfielders. We need more depth at you know on the mound and in other areas of the team, and you know, I think what I'm most concerned about is the same as just about everyone else is, you know, who's on the mound right now. And, you know, granted, you know, we, we've kind of got our, uh, got our teeth kicked in a little bit. We've had some, some real injuries that I think were a big hit with uh, Iwakuma and Smiley and, you know, losing Felix and Paxton for extended periods of time. And Gallardo hasn't really, uh, you know, panned out too well this year. I, I'd say – if you look at our starting five, I would probably venture to say Miranda's been our most consistent pitcher. Um, we we got to assemble. Yeah, you know, I just I look at the I look at the team right now, and you just gotta get the five best guys on your starting rotation on the mound that you can get, uh, and, and work towards that. Um, you know, I, there's a lot of it's wise to think about the future and get prepared and plan for that. But right now is the most important time to win. Right now, every year, every year you got to look at that. Like this is our most important time right now to win because that, that's what championship teams do is, is they win right now. They don't win five years from now, ten years from now. They're talking about right now. And so, you know, I, I know Service and DePoto are in and They're in a real tough situation. You're trying to rebuild the team while making a, a run at the playoffs. And when you can get that together, it's magic. It's working, and we've seen flashes of it. But, um, you know, there's some real serious holes that we got to kind of address and, and kind of cover up so we can, you know, make that run, you know, punch our ticket to the dance, and get, go as deep in the playoffs as we can. So I, I, that's what I'm looking at. I, I really think defensively, I, I think we got a really good team on the field. Um, I, I like our bats a lot. 
I'm just not seeing the continuity at pitcher, uh, whether it's our it's our starting rotation, whether it's our bullpen that that I'd like to see. And I know I'm in the majority, but whatever we need to do to get the five best guys we can and utilize that depth we have in our farm system to kind of start bringing in and kind of, you know, and kind of releasing some of the guys that we don't need, you know. So I I think you're absolutely on point with that, and I think that's the direction we need to go. And bringing in some more arms is is going to be imperative. It's going to be crucial to, to building a team that can compete for championships and playoff runs and so. That, that that's where I'm at right now, and I, I think that's where Dakota's head's at. And <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, you definitely uh, hit the nail on the head right there for that for for that, my man. Um, it's uh it's it's definitely going to be an uphill battle for the Mariners. There, there's no, there's no question about that. There is it's going to be an uphill battle for the Mariners. And again, the the guys that you need. I mean, this is me. I'm not, I'm not Jerry Depoto. I'm not a I'm not a major league major league baseball general manager. But if I was Depoto, I'm looking at the guys in my minor league system who I know is going to be a key part of this organization. And then I'm also looking at the guys who are expendable. And again, the guys who are expendable. First of all, I don't. I don't think Ian Miller is expendable. I think he he's going to pose a very serious role for the Mariners soon. I really do. But the positions that you know that are not expendable and that are not available to or the players in certain positions that you know are not on the trading table. You're like you put someone will put them on the trading table, and you're like, nope, take them right off the mat. Take them right off. Basically, pull them right off the magnet trading board, put them on the non-tradable magnet board. And, again, Kyle Lewis, Eric Fila, Nick Niedert, um, all the guys that I mentioned who are who are basically some of the top prospects that we do have are not tradable. But I think what Jerry Depoto saw with Tyler O'Neill is that he does have a high strikeout rate. I mean, I don't, and I don't think he's – and really what Jerry Depoto is – He's in I want to win right now mode. And that's what he was and that's how he was when he first came here. He was in I want to win right now mode. And I guarantee you right now if I mean if I was I don't know if Jerry Depoto does this but if I was Jerry Depoto I would be I would be disgusted. I would be disgusted right now with my ball club because I would go in the, I would go into the clubhouse and say, "All right guys, I'm going to say this once." And I'm going to say this so I can get it through your thick skulls. You just lost three out of four games to the Yankees. I'm not upset that we lost at home. I'm not upset that we lost to the Yankees. What I am upset as, or what I am upset at, is the fact that we just lost ground in the wild card. These guys need to realize. I. I, I they probably do. They probably realize it, but they need to understand that this team has gone 15 straight frigging years without the postseason. We've had two seasons, or no, 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 no. We've had four seasons 
where we have missed the playoffs near the end near uh, the end of September or right at the end of September. 2014, we missed the postseason by one game. We missed it on the last day. Last year, we missed it by two games. We needed to win out to get to the playoffs. We came so close, we missed it. And in 2014, all we needed from the Rangers, all or I think it was the Oakland Athletics, yeah, all we needed from the Rangers was to beat the Oakland Athletics, and we would have gotten into the postseason. So the Oakland A's have booted us out of the playoffs twice in three years. Again, if I'm Jerry DePoto, I'm thinking this. I'm telling my guys this. I don't want to see any more of this type of play. You guys need to understand that our fans want the postseason. They know that we may not get to the World Series as of this moment. But they want they want a glimmer of hope as of this moment. And the one thing that they would love more or love just as much as winning a World Series, they want us to get into the postseason. They want us to end this streak of mediocrity. And Matt, I think, I mean... Again, you know, if I'm Jerry Depoto, again, I look at who is who who my minor league guys are who are good players who I can get value from in a trade. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I put them on the trading table, and I would make as many damn trades as I can, and especially if it meant getting either Sonny Gray or Justin Verlander or even both. Mm-hmm. I know both. Mm-hmm. I know you're not going to get both. I, I'm going to just throw that off the table. But if you could get just one of these guys, it would make mm-hmm. our playoff run even. More, we would be in more control to possibly get into the postseason. But again, this team needs to stop losing crucial wild card gaining games. Mm-hmm. I, I look. I would have taken a series split. Against the Yankees, I would have. I would have even taken three out of four. I, I don't think anybody would complain about that. But I will not stand to lose three out of four, not just to the Yankees, but lose three out of four and lose ground in the wild card. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, man, you, you said everything needs to be said. I, every, I think the entire city of Seattle is behind you. It, it's time. It's time, man. Two and a half games back. That's it. That is it. Well, you got 62 games left to make that up. You know, get 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 serious about it. Just all all they got to do, all they got to do is make a couple adjustments. We're talking two and a half games. We're not talking 20 and a half games. We're talking two and a half games. Make a couple adjustments, win some more series, get a couple sweeps in there. It's it's completely possible. And and to your point, hey, we just got to make a couple tweaks. And, and why not? Why not go for it? Why not go for some of these guys? Go after them. You know, you have nothing to lose. And I know they are. And I know they're weighing all their options. But it, it's tough as a fan to kind of uh, go out there and see the same old, same old. And so you know, hopefully. Hopefully we're gonna we're gonna see some positive change and uh, we'll see some of our younger guys stepping up. Um, 
that that's 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 all I can hope for, and and that's what I'm hoping for, and I and I know it, and I know you know it, and I know the fans know it that this team is capable of a real playoff run, and it's just this team's so close, so close. But hey, if we're gonna get hot, let's get hot now. Let's get hot in the second uh, second half of the season, because I, I know this team. This team. This is a strong team. This team has the endurance to do it. You know, we we got we got the players. We got the bats. We just got to kind of put together on the mound, tighten that up a little bit, overcome some of these injuries. Some of the younger guys need to step up and make some plays, and I, and I think it's gonna happen. So I, I'm right there with you, man. Right there with you. Agreed. And uh, we are about to get into the uh, last segment of the day. Um, and uh, we, uh, the interesting topic that we're going to discuss, uh, I, I decided to change it up. You know what? I decided to change it up because um, I don't think that, I don't think that our viewers would like us talking video. I don't know if our viewers pre or like us talking video games. I mean, we're two grown men, but. I mean, the last <laughs> the last time we were on the air, we spent what like thirty, forty minutes talking about the Ninja Turtles, the movies, and the video games. But uh, but yeah, so uh, I'll give them a little bit else to to listen to. But uh, yeah, we'll be right back with our final segment of the show. We are back here with the final segment of Seattle Sports Talk Podcast, and it's always our very interesting off-topic. And, Matt, uh, I don't know if you know the theme song that was playing, but you can give a good guess. Oh, my goodness. Uh, no, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> you got to tell me. What, what was that? That was actually this, the uh, intro to the Game of Thrones Season 6. Ah, oh, man. Uh, yeah, a lot, a lot, a lot of guys I know are really into that show. I, I really haven't had a chance to really kind of dig into that, but I know, 
No, a lot of fans uh, speak very highly of that. Well, after you watch Prehistoric Park, I think you should start to okay. start, start to watch that show. I, it, it's, I mean, again, it's something that I recommend to a lot of people who, who especially the people who are into Lord of the Rings, and, and I've even met people who have are into Lord of the Rings and have never seen that, and it just shocked the hell out of me when I heard it. But uh, <laughs> off topic topic for today is, uh, you know what? Uh, decided to throw in a little bit of uh, both uh, video games and TV. But um, so uh, next page or no, no, uh, I got a little off t- or sidetracked right there. But uh, earlier this year, MLB The Show announced that Ken Griffey Jr. would be on the cover of this year's. Uh, of this year's edition of MLB The Show, and uh, I'm not sure, man, if you own a PS4, but if not, mm-hmm. uh, like me, I'm actually about to get me a PS4 soon here within the next couple of weeks, but uh, that's the first game that I'm going to get off of there is definitely MLB The Show because not only does it have Ken Griffey Jr. on the cover, but it's uh, with... With so many baseball games that have been around, some of my fa- the, the, my favorites have always been on the PlayStation. And I don't know if you remember, but MVP Baseball, mm-hmm. yeah. that right there was incredible. That was one of the more popular games. It was on the PlayStation 2, PlayStation 3. No, it was on the PlayStation 2 console. Great soundtrack, first of all. And uh, the only other games that I really played was... Um, was uh, Ken Griffey Jr. Baseball for the N64. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that. I remember that. Definitely. And uh, there's a, uh interesting uh, YouTube video on uh, that I'll send you of uh, brothers playing the game. And, of course, one of them was the Mariners. And, he, and I'll spoil <laughs> it for you. He won the game, but uh, the commentary is, is perfect. But that's what I wanted to get into is... Classic video games, definitely. And again, you and me, uh, we were born around the '90s. We know we know what good video games are. We mm-hmm. definitely know what good video games are. I mean, uh, when the N64 came out, uh, I think the top two or the top three or no, the top four all time. Let me look this up. Uh, Top video games on the N uh, on the N sixty four, and here we go uh, in an all time top twenty five list of the greatest games on uh, the greatest games on the N sixty four, and I got to go all the way to five pages because this thing goes into such detail. <laughs> but um, let's go ahead and see which. Which ones made the top five list? Because I'm 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 curious as to see. Hey, when it when it comes to the N64, that there was one game I think that my buddies and I spent the most time on and, and played, and it was huge. It was huge. I'm wondering if it was the same for me as it was for you. Is there is there is there a game that really stands out to you on the N64? There are four. There are actually four games really. That stand out. Yeah. All right. Okay. One is Ken Griffey Jr. Baseball for the N64. That will mm-hmm. always stand out to me. Uh, two is Pokemon Stadium. 
Okay. Okay. That, I don't know. Have you ever played that one? No, 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 no. Oh my God! You need you need to buy yourself an M sixty four and find that. Um, I think I might have one actually. <laughs> oh wow! Uh, three is Mario sixty four. Okay. And the fourth one was Mario Kart. Or no, no, no. Yeah, Mario Kart sixty four. But I also want to give a big shout, a big honorable mention to Star Fox. <laughs> Star Fox. Yeah, yeah, I remember Star Fox. Yeah. Um, for me, I mean, all those games, great, absolutely. I remember playing Mario Kart quite a bit. Um, James Bond, 007. Oh, man. That, yeah, right? That was a big one. That was, God, I, I think I think I, I spent the most time playing, more time playing that game than any other game on 64 back in the day. But, yeah, yeah that, was, that was a fun one for sure. That was definitely a fun one. Um, Sega Genesis. Let's talk a little Sega Genesis because I know Sega. Um, I think out of the the Super Nintendo, the Sega Genesis, and the N sixty four, I think those three right there are some of the top, you know, all time real favorite classic uh, vintage video game systems. Um, myself, I actually have an old PlayStation, the original like. Uh, First PlayStation, I only have one game on there, which is my favorite. Which and I know this is going to sound dorky, but uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! Duelist of uh, or no Yu-Gi-Oh! Forbidden Memories. And the only reason I like the game so much is because you don't have to make a stupid sacrifice if you summon a friggin' uh, eight-star monster. You can just you you could play a monster that has like forty-five hundred attack points. But um, getting onto the Sega Genesis. Let's see. Top. Let's go ahead and look at top twenty-five games. Let's see what we. Let's see what we bring up here. Um. And you know what I think. Um. Really, on the Sega Genesis. Um. There stood out. All right. So I got the top five right here. All right. So let's see if. Okay. So. I'm looking at the top five list, and there's one, two, three games that I remember off the top of my head. But I, I'm really surprised that the uh, the other one's not here. But of course, it's, and and be honest with me if you played these because. But, okay. Okay. All right. So number five, the top five, the top, the number top five game of all time on the Sega Genesis right here that was uh, by Digital Trends is Mortal Kombat Two. Oh wow! Okay. Um, really? Okay. And here's the thing: I'm looking at this list. Uh, let me actually, let me actually, because they mentioned the top 25. So let me go ahead and look at before I mention it. But first of all, dude, I mean, Mortal Kombat. That game was the friggin' that was the stuff right there. That was a game. That was a fun game. That was fun for was. sure. And you know what? The the other Mortal Kombat game, the uh, the first one was even better. I think. Um. <laughs> It was harder to win uh, the entire game on Mortal Kombat 2 because you had friggin' Goro with his four arms, and it took you like an hour oh, just wow. to... Mm-hmm. Who, who, who were you, Mike, when you, when you played that? Yeah, what character were you? I was Scorpion. <laughs> That's exactly who I was, too. Except for the second one, I, was, I would usually be Baraka. Baraka was my go-to guy on the second one. 
Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I was a fan. I think that it... Okay, so interestingly enough, I'm looking at the top... Get this, the number 13 uh, top game by Digital Trends was Dr. Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine. So basically a Sonic the Hedgehog game, but it had Dr. Robotnik's name on it. But NBA Jam, I know you're... Oh, yeah. Oh, I know yeah. you that uh, is ranked number seven. Oh really? Okay. Okay. I, yeah, that was fun. Man. That was a great game. I'm a little I'm a little surprised as you are that it's not ranked higher. Um, mm-hmm. Now getting into the 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 twenties. Okay, so the number twenty best game that they've ranked was Lost World Jurassic Park. Interesting. Okay. Okay. All right, and let's see. Is this is this one on the list? Let's see. No, whoa, uh, if they do not have this on the list, I'm going to be upset. So, wow. Okay, so they do not have the original, the first Sonic the Hedgehog on this list, on the top 25. And, and, and first of all, first of all, Matt, you're gonna, <laughs> I think you're going to laugh at what number t- number 22 is. Are you ready to hear it? Yeah, let's hear it. What is it? Michael Jackson's Moonwalker. Oh, my. Interesting. Man, I feel like I missed out on a lot of games. Jeez, man. Yeah. But um, getting back to the list, the number one ranked game of all time on the Sega... First of all, number 25 is Madden 94. And I will say this, uh, Madden 94, that was actually a good game. That was a good game to play on. Mm-hmm. Because you didn't have all these salary cap crap. You didn't have the, uh, you just had the, uh, you just had the set hike, hike. You could say hike, 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 hike a thousand times and drive the, and drive the guy that you're playing crazy. But the number one ranked game on digital trends for the Sega Genesis, and I kind of agree with this one, was Sonic the Hedgehog 2. <laughs> and yeah. you know what? That was fun, man. That was a good game. That was, I think that was, that was, uh, I actually, on my Xbox 360, I actually have uh, the original Sonic games downloaded onto the system. So I get to play Sonic the Hedgehog and Sonic the Hedgehog 2. But I think the reason why they don't have Sonic the Hedgehog on there is because, first of all, it was kind of a, if you look at the graphics and you look at the sound and you compare it with the soundtrack and the and how hard the bosses were, it wasn't. It was not a good. It was not a good game. I mean, I, I would still say it's a top fifty game of all time on the Sega Genesis, but I wouldn't put it in the top twenty five. So I kind of agree with this list. But okay. the sound. Okay. If you remember Sonic the Hedgehog two, the soundtrack on that game was incredible. First of all, the uh, the first level of the game had had some of the greatest music of all time. I want to pull that up. Let's let's pull that up for our listeners real quick. Uh, let's see if I can find it. Hopefully, I I I know I can find it. Uh, so here we go. So um, where was it? Uh, I think it was the Emerald. Yeah, the Emerald Hill Hill Zone. Here we go. Here's here's that original song. (laughs) 
Now tell me that does not bring you back to your childhood, man. <laughs> That's good stuff, man. I love it, man. Yep. Yeah, always, uh, you always reminisce when you hear that stuff. It was a little more simple time. Definitely. And then uh, right after the Sega Genesis, or so let's see, it went, uh, and so I did play a little Super Nintendo. I did always play a little Super Nintendo. Who didn't as a kid? Uh, so let's go ahead and let's go ahead and see. And this is a, uh, so oh, whoop, I accidentally went into this one. So we're going to go ahead and see what the digital trend said for the top games. And you know what? I, I'm going to say this before, before we get into anything, man, um, I will have to say this. I think the top game of, of, uh, the top two games of the Super Nintendo were the big old gray box. You remember that? Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember that. I still, yeah. I still uh, no, I don't have one of those. I used to. Yeah. Okay, the top two games that I think, and first of all, um, I'm looking at the list. All right, I got the number two. The number two here is in my top two. Let's see if, oh, my gosh, this thing might not even have it on the Super Nintendo. If it's not on the Super Nintendo on this list, I'm going to be upset, and I'm already at number 20. I don't see it. Oh, my gosh. Oh, you've got to be kidding me. (laughs) So, it is not on the list. So, um, or or no, 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 this was the NES system. Oh, my gosh, I, I forgot. All right, so... I forgot. I I made a mistake. We'll we'll get back to the NES uh, right after this. But um, the 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 top two games on the Super Nintendo was, in my opinion, um, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Hyper Highstone or Hyper Stone Heist. As you remember, the last time that you were on, of course, I played you the 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 song to one of the levels. Or if you remember, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. And of course, number two, in my opinion, actually, I think I have to put this at number one was The Legend of Zelda, A Link to the Past. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, I remember the original Zelda, man. That was a good time. That was fun. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know what, And, and uh, before we get off, we'll get, we'll get off here in a second, but uh, speaking of the NES game, I think the greatest game on the NES had to be the combination of both, you had it in a, you had it, in a it was a pack-in game, uh, Super Mario Brothers, along with Duck Hunter. <laughs> Absolute classic. Absolutely. <laughs> that was a good time. Definitely. All righty, so that is going to end this show. And, Matt, it's always been it's been a pleasure, again, as always. I know you sent me, I know you sent me a tweet saying you ha- you're going to be dropping off here soon. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, hey. so, so we're going to end the show right here. And we're going to be back next week at the same. We'll, we'll possibly even be here uh, at six o'clock on Sunday. That way, if if it's all right with Matt, we can actually extend the show just a little bit longer than that. But I don't think we will. But uh, you know what? Again, Matt, thank you so much for being back on the show, and I can't wait to do it next week. Hey, likewise, brother. You have a great night. Thanks for having me on. Take care. No problem. This is me and Matt signing off and saying, "Go Mariners." Go
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.